arranged to be the agents of change To fight the power, to be the difference If you stand up for people speaking the truth You might be a change agent too Hey everybody, welcome to the Change Agents Comics and Social Issues Podcast, where we explore graphic novels that have something to say. Brought to you by Change Agents from Renegade Arts Entertainment, available now on Comixology. Fight the power, be the difference. I'm James Davidge, and I'm joined today by Jason Memel of Sage Theatre and the Penciltown Podcast. Hey everybody. Karen Mills of the Alberta Advantage and the Format Guardian podcasts. Hello, everyone. And Stephanie Chan of Foam Armory and Smash Pages Comic News. Hello, hello. Every episode, we discuss a notable work of comic literature while considering its artistic merit and its ability to address our social concerns. And today, we're talking about Superman Smashes the Clan by Jean Luen Yang and Guru Hiru, published by DC Comics in 2020. My earliest connection with Superman was likely the Super Friends cartoon show in the 70s. I also recall that my mom made a Superman costume from a mail order pattern that inspired me to jump from the top of our basement stairs onto a pile of camping mattresses in an attempt to fly. I hurt my ankle on the bottom step. Superman's never been my favorite hero, but I've gravitated to stories written by esteemed writers. Notably, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow by Alan Moore, All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison, and the recent run by Brian Michael Bendis. These stories seem to tap into what makes Superman so essential to superhero mythology and our collective morality. He is a character that can be used to explore the intersection of nearly unstoppable power and our ideas of pure goodness. And now let's hear from our guests. What's your connection with Superman? Karen? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, similar to James, I mostly encountered Superman through screen media. So the, the classic 70s movie, I, I didn't realize it was, you know, a couple decades older uh, than when I was watching it. It just seemed like a fun video at the time. And same with uh, the Lois and Clark TV show was on the early 90s. Uh, but I was curious to see uh, what the comics were like. So my dad actually had the Jim Byrne relaunch books uh, from the 80s, which were pretty good stories. And then it was kind of a weird time when I was trying to get into it because it was like rain of the superman and just the whole <laughs> like after crisis on infinite earths relaunch so it's just very strange time but uh by the time i you know progressed to reading comics in college and had a nearby comic store it seemed like the stories were a bit more normal again and i was a big fan of man of steel which is a controversial opinion i think uh, maybe <laughs> maybe less so with the uh snyder cut people seem to come around to what snyder was doing even if they they understood it a little bit better even if it wasn't their thing so um those movies definitely had like flaws and weaknesses but i think they yeah tapped into something more mythological or epic than like the Marvel movies where it's like, oh, everyone's so relatable. I'm like, well, I don't need Superman to be relatable. He just like, you know, if he's part of a, a good story, I don't really see how he's more, you know, boring than any other superhero. It's like, oh, well, he he doesn't have weaknesses or enemies. I'm like, no, that's, that's uh, you know, again, you can write them into a good story. So I'm, I was a uh, lucky little spoiler, but um, I think that what we're, what reading today was a, a, a extremely good story. So. All right. Thank you for uh, for sharing your deep history of Superman. Um, Steph or yeah, Stephanie. Hi. Um, mine's my original exposure to Superman. I don't really remember, but I'm definitely for sure know it's the comic books. My my so every time, like not every time, but I would say Superman very much makes me think of my mom. My mom's favorite character was Superman. Um, and uh, she, I know she had the comics growing up, like she read action comics growing up. Um, she watched all of the Superman shows and things like that too, whenever they came on TV. Um, but I also had the luxury of having older siblings, specifically my sister, Suzette, and she had 
crap tons of comics, like huge amounts of comics. So right off the get-go, I was already reading several different Superman titles and Legion of Superheroes. Um, and, and because of this, this comic family that I have, um, I was getting the, they're like little DC Comics Digest, they're the same size as the Archie Digest. So they reprinted a lot of the old Superman stories too on top of it. And I was reading already reading about Superboy and Supergirl, like like just just immediately. So I I couldn't even tell you what my first comic book was or my first Superman experience was because I just just was exposed to it my entire life. Um, and um, throughout the years, like I kind I I started you know developing my own taste, and I probably didn't wasn't as into Superman um, as I I was when I was like a little kid. But I did, I do really like certain storylines of Superman. Like when there, when there is a good storyline of Superman, I love those storylines. So as uh, Karen mentioned, that strange times of Superman, that was some of my favorites. The reign of Superman, when there was the fourth Superman after Superman died. Um, that's some of my favorite Superman comics right there. Um, and, um, um, other, and other stories. And I like how people like to reimagine Superman all the time. We had weird blue lightning mullet Superman at one point, and <laughs> <laughs> Superman red and Superman blue, based on a '60s imaginary tale. But anyways, <laughs> oh, I don't know this part. Oh, yeah. I was too little to know this. Okay, <laughs> I, I read, I, re- I read that in a digest. Sorry, Stephanie, go on. It's okay. No, it's fine. It's like beyond my knowledge. That's cool. But yeah, no, Superman has always been around. And um, my mom actually just passed away this last April of cancer, but um, she had celebrated her 80th birthday last November. And something I asked for, pe- for people to do is that because she was in the hospital and it's COVID and we can barely visit and whatever. I was asking people if they can send greeting cards or like nice things to my mom. And she got some Superman artwork, got a Superman toy for her because I said that's one of her favorite things was Superman. So oh. Superman's very, very Chan family. <laughs> very cool. Thanks for sharing all that. Jason. Uh, I think I remember my Superman experience being um, uh, reading like the digest, like the they were the same size as the Archie digests that would be in the... Um, at the at the grocery store kind of thing um and uh they would just be collections of different stories mostly a lot of kurt swan art but like even some some earlier uh uh uh, superman artists before that so like i had a very much a pre-crisis uh um superman experience where i was getting um but almost leading almost directly up to crisis so i was getting the weird stories where he was you know, tiny aliens were somehow stronger than him. And, you know, like his, his, uh, he was being turned into an alligator in one, in one issue, but then also like, uh, some like, you know, sort of dark and gritty stories where he's fighting intergang and, and, uh, like dark side is kind of being menacing in the background and all of these, all of these things. So I had a very Superman for me has always been like a character who, who, who stands across multiple eras and genres and styles, if that makes sense, that like, and I think that kind of fits the character, like his his mythological nature is such that uh, that he can occupy all of these places, which I think I'll actually kind of get into when we get into the, um, um, into the book. But uh, yeah, and I like, I read the, the, um, the, that Alan Moore story of like, whatever, or uh, no. Um, yeah, whatever happened to the man from tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, whatever happened to the Men of Tomorrow. And I remember like reading what I was like, is this the last Superman story? I read it really young. So I honestly was like, oh my gosh, maybe. <laughs> um, I had no idea of the, 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 even the crisis was even a thing. I think I learned that later um, uh, just for when I found it. But then, yeah, I, uh, I've been consuming Superman stuff ever since. I've always found the character fascinating. The, uh, the, um, that that uh, cartoon that came out around the same time as the as the the really popular Batman one, I think, was a really a fun interpretation of the character, um, and uh, and of course the movies. Uh, I I also have a complicated relationship with Man of Steel. Um, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think it has sort of shown itself to be better over age, but I still have like, it's hard when you see a drastic reinterpretation of your character, uh, of a character not your character, of a character that you've come to appreciate for a long time, and then uh and 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 have that done in such a big public billion dollar way you know it's hard it was i think it's hard to reconcile but uh um yeah so i've that that's my long rambling superman uh uh history 
All right. Thanks for all those thoughts. Yeah. Good to hear uh, so many Digest fans uh, out there. Uh, Karen, you, you, you I feel like I'm missing bit... out. I just, I don't remember. These yeah. Songs. Yeah. But, well, uh, I didn't, didn't have uh, older siblings or um, I mean, I guess I had the family connection, but I think my, I, I sure I've said this on the podcast before, but my grandfather, grandmother threw all all my dad's comics away from the 60s that sounds like a that's a family Uh, crime i think so it was he literally had fantastic four number one and i mean it wasn't worth a million dollars but it was worth like eleven thousand dollars and i mean that's you know yeah Yeah. okay anybody listening to this not seeing the the video uh the the shocked face on everyone else's uh uh, expressions when karen mentioned that was like we were all like (gasps) yeah big big inhale but yeah. you know they're 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 in the memory i think mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Well, there we go yeah well the digests were like before trade paperbacks they were these little like uh as described uh archie digest size things and they contained heaps of old stories and you'd get oh, them for cheaper cheaper than a comic well that's the other thing it's like and, and, it's i think that's why, rant, I ha- but... that's why i have glasses is i strained my eyes reading them yeah well you get the reprints now and it's like yeah. you know quite quite a lot for just some old yeah old comics, and the, but... the nice thing with the digest you can buy them everywhere mm, yeah. like they were at safeway yeah. at the little corner store oh, behind the school everything yeah. i know it's just so much exposure and it's like oh. what happened i'll look Every, for them in the vintage shops i guess so yeah. i think they, like, they are there. One of the other great things about the digest, and I think this kind of again goes back to my statement about how Superman kind of strides across uh, all all genres and times, is that it, particularly with Superman, it felt very okay to get a digest where you were reading stories that may have been written and drawn twenty years apart, um, like yeah. that. That it, it wasn't. Uh, um, whereas now we're very focused on continuity and arcs and and like internal consistency. Whereas then it was just like each chapter, each each section was just its own sort of uh, uh, offering to the overall Superman mythology, but not a, nobody was like worrying about how this was going to have to all come together somehow. So it was a, a real uh, excite, exciting freedom. And it almost felt more like a science fiction digest than a, than a, a serialized character. All right, there we go. Some good important thoughts about previous reprint uh, culture in, uh, <laughs> in DC Comics. All right, folks, now we're going to get into uh, Superman Smashes the Clan. Uh, this is your spoiler warning. There will be spoilers. Uh, just to, just to uh, remind everyone, this uh, was a recent uh, graphic novel uh, written by Jean Luen Yang with art by Guri uh, Hiru, uh, and it's published by DC Comics in 2020. Um, the story is set in 1946 and uses Superman's power level from that time. In other words, he's only able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. He is not able to fly. In the first scene, Superman confronts Adam Man, a Nazi scientist on a destructive post-war rampage. During the battle, Superman gets momentarily exposed to a radioactive green rock the Adam Man had on his chest that saps Superman's powers and energy. We then meet Roberta and Tommy Lee, two young Chinese Americans who are moving with their parents from Chinatown to Metropolis. Unfortunately, the the Lees attract the anger of the Clan of the Fiery Cross, a white supremacy organization. The Clan puts a burning cross on the Lees' lawn and almost torch their house with an incendiary device. Lois Lane and Clark Kent, AKA Superman, come to report on the story. Roberta ends up talking with Clark about how learning secrets can make a place home. This seems to resonate with Clark, who begins to have disturbing dreams and visions that combine strange alien imagery with his upbringing on Earth. As the story continues, a few threads emerge. Tommy Lee frustrates another boy, Chuck Riggs, by taking his pitching spot on the local Unity House baseball team. Chuck is being initiated into the clan of the Fiery Cross, but eventually he sides with Tommy and they become friends. Clark flashes flashes back to times in his youth when his emerging powers made him feel like an outsider in his hometown of Smallville. After an experience leaping with Superman to rescue Tommy from a clan kidnapping, Roberta finds herself analyzing how Superman's powers work. It is revealed that the forces that guide and finance the Clan of the Fiery Cross are not explicitly racist. 
they choose to support white supremacy because promoting hate is profitable to their corporate agenda. Helped by Roberta's advice around accepting who you are, Superman realizes he can fly, wins a battle against a weaponized Klansman, and chooses to reveal to the world that he is an alien from another planet. The story ends with Lois encouraging Roberta to use her Chinese name of Lan Shin Li as she begins working as a cub reporter for the Daily Planet. And so now I'm just going to ask, what about the story stood out to you? Stephanie? Um, I thought it was such a almost pure story, like a pure Superman story. Like there's so much good heartedness and um, like it, it's not like some of the more nitty gritty Superman stories. Like the art's very clean. Well, sorry, that's the art the story goes along with the art. It, it was very clean. And it's something that I have no problems like reading with kids and things like that, even though the topic subject matter is sounds a little heavy, I would still read this with kids, to be honest. Um, and something else that um, in the, in the story itself, like adding the corporate twist, like that was a surprise, like, cause you just, you expect, Oh, it's about the clan. It's about racism, but it's about leveraging racism for personal gain. And that is actually a large part of racism that we see today, or at least how we understand racism today um, and why it happens. So that, that I just, I was, was just like, that's so cool that this, this story is actually covering that as well. Um, and there's something about and uh, when Superman is facing off with the, with the, the weaponized clan member when when the the clan member was telling superman like oh but you're just you're like you're like a superior race you're one of us kind of thing i love that page that that whole dialogue that whole banter between the two of them was just like i just thought it was just perfect like like this is one of those books i think every library should have so people can access and read about it yeah no agreed and it was interesting you mentioned uh, kids cuz i uh I just, I left the copy. Sometimes I leave copies of things I read uh, in my daughter's room and I don't force it upon her. And I was pleased that she actually just came out of her room uh, one Saturday morning, having read it kind of on her own and, 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 and being quite moved by it. So interesting thoughts there. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, Jason, what about the story stood out to you? Uh, yeah, again, I think, uh, I think I'm gonna repeat a lot of things uh, or we're all gonna repeat each other. I think the story is just so clear uh, and so well executed, um, and it's so charming. Um, uh, I think a couple of things that really stood out to me is is just how how well uh, the story bridges um, uh, Clark's own concern about about uh, integrating with uh, the with the family's concerns about it. And um, I think like it's done it's done very uh, 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 clearly, but not um, pedantically, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like uh, painfully obvious, or it doesn't feel like it's being overly uh, uh, forced upon us, which I think actually makes it even stronger. I think it, it, uh, it makes the relatability even clearer. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's also, I think it's interesting for a story like this. It's so charming to be near the beginning of Superman's story because, uh, it actually allows for the character to grow, which is something that often a lot of super superheroes, Superman stories have to grapple with is that uh, the Superman character um, has a hard time really changing or growing. He might encounter something new, but, but uh, that, that sense of discovery and, and, and even deciding or choosing something is often a little harder for that character. So I think uh, it was really refreshing to, to give Superman a choice that felt connected to the overall theme. So that was, I think, a really, uh, a really powerful moment as well. Cool. Thank you. Karen, anything about um, the story stand out to you? <laughs> For sure. And uh, to echo uh, Jason echoing us in the past, it's like, yes, if it's if it's a really strong, well-executed book, it's hard to say, like, you know, you have a really unique take on it. But uh, I would repeat that uh, I was really drawn into the characters. Uh, I, I don't know if we mentioned yet, but there's a section of at the end of the book, it's like a trade paperback uh, that we read, I think, um, but it was originally different issues, but the collection has uh, a nice thoughtful essay by the author with photos that kind of intermixes like the history that he's drawing from. And it was the, the main story of the comic is based on a radio serial from the forties that had the clan of the fiery cross uh, that was the, the title of it uh, but i imagine um just 
being somewhat familiar with radio dramas and things, it wasn't very deep. So uh, being able to give it like the character depth and like the strength of the story that we expect now as readers, where everything's like, you know, open-ended, but pretty well interconnected and good sense of momentum. And as well as, uh, as we said, the characters kind of growing and changing as they learn things and experience uh, events together, just, just really stands out to me. Like this will be one I'll remember for a long time like I, I read a digital copy but it's one to to pick up just because it's you, you want to revisit it and kind of have that feeling of like uh just the the character's friendship and the kind of nostalgia for um it's, I find a, a lot of the Superman stories as well as as they move in time there's uh this unbelievability how everyone works in the daily planet and it's like you know journalism today it's not you don't have like even full-time paid reporters and photographers and things like in comics from the the 40s and and before and after but uh this is entirely believable because it's like you know america at that time with with all the good and the bads yeah we need to bring back cub reporters that's what we need uh, to bring back journalism here in this world um yeah well thanks for all those thoughts folks probably probably some things that were mentioned that stood out is and this is something i feel about um a lot of gene uh and yang's writing is there's a there's a he's really funny there's a lot of humor in this writing that really jumps out and and quality humor and how people interact humor uh particularly i found uh with the siblings and and sometimes uh, I, I like paying attention to that stuff just as, as a teacher, but I just found he he really uh, helped uh, or just really communicated how people feel when they're moving to new places and, and things like that and, and, and disagreeing with how, say, their their sibling might approach pretty serious topics like like uh, like casual racism around them and, and things like that. So so I thought there was a lot uh, in the story uh, that, that that jumped out at me uh, about kind of the strength of the writing. Um, let's jump over to the art. Um, Jason, what about the art stood out to you? Uh, it perfectly suited to the story. I found, um, uh, uh, there's a, again, like a, a simplicity and a charm to it, but, but, but like, um, incredibly well executed when I say simple, it doesn't mean that it's not, uh, not, not very carefully controlled. Um, uh, and it also, I think, brings a, a, an uh, animation sense to it, probably even, I think, in some of the designs, uh, an anime sense, which I think in both of those ways, I think, uh, contribute to, um, to I think, uh, some of its more elevated tone and, uh, uh, and like, the, that sort of greater sense of, of style. Like, it, rather than this trying to be, like, a sort of a Brian Michael Bendis um, sort of... Um, uh, uh, like quick, uh, modern sounding patter. These characters uh, all all feel like they're coming. They're they're just a little larger than life, and I think the art really gives that to them as well. Uh, their expressions are larger. Their their designs are very are very open and clear. And um, honestly, it's kinetic. It was so much fun to read the 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 character and see Superman doing all of his things, running like running along. I guess that's the the thing too is watching Superman discover powers in this was so so well illustrated and uh the transition from him from running to actually flying felt like a momentous thing and i think the the art has a really big uh piece to play in that in terms of just showing the difference between his physicality when he runs versus and leaps versus uh when he's tr choosing to move through this new new power um yeah so i just loved the art <laughs> cool thanks stephanie uh what about the art stood out to you um, I love, I also love it's, it's clean and very anime-ish, uh, very cartoony style. Um, I found the expressions like really shone through, um, uh, even though all the lines are still clean, like, like every, like eye pop, every, every gasp, every, every little bit of, of expression was uh, conveyed very clearly and very wonderfully. Um, something I particularly like about choosing this art style, though, is that it transcends uh, generations. I think younger readers will appreciate it quite a bit. Um, I know um, um, more anime styles appeal to the younger generation comic readers lately. So that's that's a, a really big bonus that they went with that. But at the same time, it, there's, there's, there's so much richness and the sequential storytelling is, is so 
well executed that um, I think any generation will just appreciate it regardless. Cool. Karen. What about the uh, yeah, to you? <laughs> um, yeah, again, pretty much the same reasons that uh, folks have said. Um, it, it did remind me of a couple of my other favorite Justice League stories. Uh, like one is uh, The Fr New Frontier by Darwin F Cook. So this is it that has the kind of old timing quality of like the, the golden age, um, like 40s designs. But uh, as Stephanie says, this just has a bit of an update or a freshness, whereas Darwin Cook uh, as as great as those interpretations are they're very like you know set in like um nostalgia and like we're very much channeling a particular look so this one had a little bit more you know like freshness and open-endedness and uh and the other is all-star superman and i think the artist there is frank quietly yeah and he, yeah and um uh, just the the kind of physicality of superman where in in both stories there's nothing like threatening about his like physicality it's just even to maybe to bad guys in this story i don't know but uh we can't we can't ask them but um it it just seems for for the kids it's just like you know it's just this is someone friendly and this is someone like literally larger than life and as jason said um but um it, again the art in both stories it's just like because you often see uh through the 90s 2000s now uh superman is drawn very just pretty much every muscle you can think of just exaggerated and just very stiff and it's like well, it's not very like appealing or friendly and it doesn't work for these kinds of stories so it's great when the artists choose to like consciously do something a little uh more inviting so all right. Uh, thanks for all those thoughts, everyone. Yeah, it's, it is, as everyone says, a beautiful, almost like clean, animated, cartoony style book. Um, but it's it. so as people were talking, I was looking through it again, and that even more impressed uh, upon me um, how well done they depicted the clans people, because, um, you know, that's a very serious topic. And and I don't think they'd want to depict these people as uh, as cartoony or funny. And, um, and, and it's just taking another glance, they're really, the, the pages where the clients people show up, it's very powerful. And, um, and the artists, and I have found out that, that uh, uh, Guru Hiru is an art team. It's, it's two people working on it. And, um, but um, they really, it's as simple as the eyes. They just really make sure that those eyes are kind of menacing and, um, and sort of nasty. And then, um, and, and I think it pulls off um, depicting, uh, clans people in a in a in a comic that's as sort of um colorful and um and and clean as as this one so um yeah really interesting art i guess um i guess uh uh the art team had worked with uh gene luen yang on uh, some avatar um graphic novels that are very well respected that i've never looked at but, but they have their own fan base i guess um okay so um, so thanks for all those thoughts about the book and we might keep revisiting the book uh, in this next topic, but I did want to um, uh, go in this direction um, because uh, this is covering a, uh, a serious topic and it's covering a topic uh, depicting uh, clans people in 1946, but we're at a pretty serious time with this stuff uh, right here, right now. And um, so I just wanted to, um, to hear people's thoughts uh, if you're comfortable talking about this about uh, just the concern of white supremacy uh, in our society right now. Um, Stephanie, can you share any thoughts? Oh, I don't, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, I might've, I, can, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on this podcast before or not, but I, I have attended a few counter protests against um, oh. white supremacists. Um, oh. Yeah. And like to actually stand there and look at them, in the in the eyes kind of thing it is surreal and it is unreal at the same time it's like like what brought you to this point in like that that you have these certain beliefs about race or or power or or whatever the case may be now um um something that i didn't um something that i always keep in mind though because i know a lot of uh, people who push those types of agendas as the book covered is doing it for corporate or political gain. Um, I, I like, I think like a lot of people will play into that particular crowd because they are passionate enough that they'll go out and do and uh, like support you. Like the rebel media, for example, in, in Canada, um, it's an alternate um, 
news network for the alt-right. And, um, and uh, they, they have a lot of things that really, really, it really is uh, dog whistles for the white supremacists. And they, they give, send them money like crazy. Um, and uh, slowly, slowly but surely, it seems like each social media network's shutting them down. Um, but um, it's still, the point is that it's still like all over, right? And I think white supremacy for, a, we were gaining ground against white supremacy for a while as it became something that was underground and more ashamed, even though there's still a lot of uh, problems in society, like systematic racism and things like that, we still have to deal with. But um, we had, I thought we had some good progress going for a while. And uh, unfortunately with uh, things like uh, the Trump uh, winning the U.S. election, it seemed to reinvigorate that movement. And uh, it feels like we took several steps back and then here we are clawing our ways back out again. Um, I just want to say that um, as recent as this last weekend here, there was a uh, church gathering. It's called Street Church in Calgary. And they were um, blaming um, Muslims for all sorts of things at this most recent gathering. Um, that's nothing new. If it's not the Muslims, it's the Chinese. If it's not the Chinese, it's Black Lives Matter. Um, it's just like every group they can, they, they just uh, use them as a scapegoat. Um, a lot of it's to drive their agenda, to pick up more church followers, to get more donations, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and some of it's just honestly pure hate. And, um, and the, these groups, um, they still feel powerless or powerful and unstoppable right now. And um, if you are paying attention to Alberta politics lately, um, like you'll notice that, wow, we still have a, a lot of hate speech and a lot of um, racism. And how are we solving this? And then you look and you realize these guys are being arrested, not because of those reasons, but because they break public health regulations like gathering and mask um, and being an anti-masker. So that, that's our way to solve racism right now seems to be public health orders. And it's just like, this is wrong. Why are we, why, why are we addressing this this way? Yeah, well, excellent points. And um, yeah, bring it right to, right to what's happening in our backyard here. Um, Karen, any thoughts about the concern of white supremacy? Uh, for sure. I um, want to bring it back to the book for a couple of points. Uh, I think we've mentioned a couple of times that, um, you know, with, within the events of the book that it's revealed that uh, there's kind of the true believer is the the main character who's the the armed clansman at the end but his kind of uh, master in the the clan system um, is like a guy who's basically grifting which uh, we're familiar with um, with rebel and things where it's just all a big scam it's a money-making venture but I think it's not so easy to separate those two like I think the uh the Wilson character would probably also believe a lot of the things that he says. So it's not like, oh, we're just faking it to get money. It's like, well, no, we we probably believe it and it's convenient. So we'll just lean into it. So uh, so those things aren't, aren't easy to separate. And I would say uh, certainly we we still have it in, in Calgary, Edmonton, um, in rural places in Alberta and across Canada through our institutions and individual actions. But there is uh, the is a history of uh, the Ku Klux Klan being active in Alberta. And that had those aspects of, uh, you know, people trying to get rich and starting hate groups and having police connections, which again, you see in the group where uh, a lot of them are arrested. And then the, the you know, the guy who isn't the the chief, the, there's a African-American um, character but it, they kind of go around him and say like you know like we'll get we'll get you out tomorrow or whatever so there's that acknowledgement that you know the authority figures are usually in on it somehow so those those aren't easy for us to divorce from real life either or say oh it, it was Canada I'm like no we we had the clan in Canada and you know it, it kind of the way it's described at the end of the book it kind of gathered a lot of momentum and flamed out same thing but yeah, we still have the kind of remnants of it. So it's good to be vigilant and attend counter protests and uh, speak about experiences as much as people are comfortable and can. So. All right. Thanks for those thoughts. Jason, uh, any thoughts about the concern of white supremacy? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's deeply concerning and I, I, I don't want to uh, uh, take up too much space here, but I think, uh, just a couple of thoughts is that I think going back to the book again, that I think uh, it was 
interesting that they did show how much uh, fear, like fear of uh, like a loss of livelihood, fear of a loss of opportunity um, are often some of the big uh, drivers that, that recruit people into a lot of this, I think, which was uh, interesting. It was interesting to show that as a like, uh, so that both, yes, these are terrible people, but like how they themselves got convinced, I think was a, uh, uh, valuable. Um, and then I think, uh, I think too, like the things with like the, the, um, the, the cop who says that he'll, he'll take care of it and, uh, he'll, he'll get like, get his grand wizard out of, out of jail also show that the like white supremacy isn't just necessarily a, a people in white robes, um, burning crosses, but it's also a systemic problem. Um, and it's a, it's the thing that can be, that can be traced to, uh, um, a perception of what normal is that has been based on a on a frankly oppressive structure for most of our North American history. So I think there's something like it's it's a it's a heavy thing to unpack, and I think um, I think this book does a good job of at least giving us uh, a, a few ways into it through a lens that is both gives us enough proximity and distance to appreciate it. All right, uh, folks. Okay, well, thank you, Jason. And, and thanks, everyone, for your thoughts. It's definitely something as a teacher that I know we are grappling with more and more. Um, I do feel like uh, we started to have more incidents after Trump was elected. Uh, it's been uh, disappointing and, 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 and just challenging to deal with it. And probably the best way we're finding solutions is to bring in uh, different people, uh, you know, uh, you know, like uh, black people, Muslim people, uh, First Nations, uh, to speak with our students uh, directly because I think it's it certainly uh, helps helps them put a put a face to some of these issues that they're dealing with because uh, there's a lot coming uh, for young people right now and, and like you say uh, a few of you brought up kind of the economic challenges that some people feel um, and um, anyways it's, it's 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 interesting times and and it's you know and it's just and, it, and, it, and it's just sort of scary to see because it seems like some of it's perpetuating on the internet and and um one of my students who was this nice boy wasn't the heart greatest student but worked hard so you know he built character there and came from a supportive family uh, a russian jewish family and what was interesting was he was getting into two things uh the flat earth movement and white richard spencer white supremacy and um you know which is just middle class rich kid white supremacy and and um it was really you know and he's just a lonely kid at home with his youtube videos and those are the video channels that he that he slid into and um and it was you know so it's it's, it's just all very uh very heavy stuff and i do think graphic novels like this do help and i and i, and I like how folks said we should be getting uh, books like this into schools um all right, well, let's jump back into thinking about the book. Uh, Emily's any similar works to suggest? Karen, anything to suggest? Uh, yeah, I was kind of going over in my mind what this reminded me of. But again, I, I think, um, you know, as, as we round out the season of our show, I've, I've mentioned a lot of these things before, but very strong um, memories of... Uh, memories of watching tv but um <laughs> of love lovecraft country um oh, yeah. watchmen uh they they all have the kind of uh early 20th century uh racism and and clans people literally um so those are good and other books by the same author but i thought i would uh recommend something a little different because we were talking about um the experience of um uh, racism in Alberta specifically and I'd recommend a podcast it's called is this for real and uh the tagline now is living as a black person in Edmonton but their first season is around policing issues in Edmonton and uh again this is would come with a content warning that uh, a lot of the the episodes and coverage that they've done so far are quite uh, bracing, I would say, but it's really important to hear it because these are things that have happened in the last five years, 20 years, um, and just the experiences that uh, um, Black folks specifically go through. And, you know, we, I'm sure very similar things happen in Calgary, uh, especially in regards to uh, citizens' relationships with the police. And there's actually a documentary about how how, how bad it, it can be sometimes as well. But um, but I'd recommend that podcast because it's just uh, just very eye-opening and it just seems like a very like uh, 
worthwhile uh, thing to support going forward. They have a lot of plans to cover other issues. So I uh, would, would say that I have to give that a listen in. Cool tip. Is this for real? I will look into that. Um, Jason, uh, any similar works to suggest? Uh, I think um, uh, Karen, I'm, I'm just going to steal two of Karen's. Uh, uh, Karen mentioned other works by the author, and I think uh, I would particularly mention uh, American Born Chinese, I think, uh, which is uh, kind of takes, I think, the same tone that uh, that he brings to to the Superman story, but then cements it with a very personal uh, experience. Um, so I think that was a, uh, that would be definitely be, if you enjoyed this, you definitely enjoy that. Um, and then actually, uh, if, if you enjoyed this, but also felt like you wanted a meteor uh, 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 interaction with those problems and like oh, interaction with those problems today, I'd again, uh, jump onto Karen and mention Watchmen because I think how it inter interacts with, the issues of uh, race and uh, economic disparity um, and our relationship to power, I think, is uh, is fully in line with this with this book. But like, uh, definitely in a, I wouldn't hand it to the kid if I had this uh, this comic to a kid. I wouldn't let them watch the show. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it's, it's the so HBO it is, show. It is, well, to well, clarify, yeah, without without yeah. reading the graphic yeah. novel first, you know, or the the Alan Moore graphic novel first. <laughs> Oh yeah, if it's, you know, uh, all, no, none of Watchmen is like um, if you're under twelve, don't <laughs> don't go there. I yeah. jump jump onto the Watchmen recommendation as someone who talks with coworkers about TV uh, whenever we have a free moment. Uh, I was amazed by how many people got into that show without having read the original graphic novel. Like amazed, hundred percent. Yeah, you don't need yeah. to. Yeah, I, it adds to it, but um, I don't think it can be its own thing. That yeah. show is amazing yeah. on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's actually one of the reasons as a as a huge Watchmen fan who tends to be concerned about a lot of the ideas of sequels and sidequels and prequels. Um, uh, this is one of the few ones I'll endorse because I think it, much like the original book, it's actually trying to say its own thing. But that's not what our podcast is about today. <laughs> <laughs> um uh the the i just to say that like again the the way the way both this book and that show interact with race is i think valuable cool and that's it all right thanks. similar works okay stephanie similar works to suggest okay i kind of went a little more um, um skewed younger i didn't think to recommend watchmen but i do agree with the others on watchmen if you want something a little more adult a little more meteor um that that series is phenomenal i have to say but um the the two books or well, actually there was the three books but i'm going to skip one a little bit because uh, american board chinese again amazing and uh, and like actually quite spot on um, um my other two recommendations is one called new kid um, it's written by Jerry Craft, and uh, it's about uh, an African-American child in middle school. So it's actually written for kids in middle school. And they do address things like bias and uh, microaggressions to a, a kid who's like, he's, it's his first time going to this particular private school and who's an outsider. Um, and it, it is, it's, it's another one of those books would be great if there's libraries for kids to read and start to understand these concepts of, uh, of being that, being an outsider, literally. Um, the other book is a little bit further stretching, but I think it's a really important read, especially in Canada here, with considering our issues recently with the residential schools. It's The Secret Path, and that's uh, written by Gord Downey, who was the lead singer of The Tra Tragically Hip, and uh, Jeff, Jeff Lemire, um, who um, people might know him now from The Secret Path. It's a, now a Netflix series. A sweet um, Tooth. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I just said the secret back. Sorry. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, one of his other books. Anyway, yes, Sweet yeah. Tooth is now on Netflix. Um, but The Secret Path, which is the book I'm recommending right now, um, is a, it follows the story of a, of a boy who went to the residential schools back in, in back, quote unquote, in the day, even though the residential schools actually only ended in the later 90s. Um, but it, it follows uh, kind of the sad journey of, of what happened, being torn away from your family and being put into this institu institution that is basically meant to take your culture away from you. All right. Thank all, uh, those are all really cool recommendations there, Stephanie. Thank you. And the only one I'm going to add on to, people have referenced um, uh, Jean Lewin Yang's uh, other works. Uh, so I was excited to suggest that I'm, I've been reading his current uh, Batman Superman and it's a lot of fun and it was part of why I wanted to point out um, yeah so he's doing 
Batman Sur Superman right now. Unfortunately, it just got announced that it, this, the series is going to be canceled. I don't know the details there. So he's only going to get a chance to finish his, his, his current storyline, which is a really cool multiverse storyline. And, and, uh, and, and one thing, it, it, it really reinforces, there's something I like about uh, Gene Luen Yang's uh, writing that is he's just got this sense of humor. Um, and this ability for his characters to be funny with each other in very kind of the way we're funny with our friends in a way that a lot of writers don't capture uh, very effectively. Um, so that comes up in Superman, Batman. So I'm going to, uh, and apparently he's also doing uh, the current stuff on um, uh, uh, Shang-Chi, the, the new Marvel hero. Uh, I haven't read that yet, but, um, but I, I have a feeling I'm going to take a look at that as well. So, um, so those are my recommendations. Um, as some people have hinted at, we are um, just wrapping up our first season of, uh, of, uh, of uh, talks here. We'll be coming back in September. So I'm just going to put that in context, everyone here. Uh, uh, if you want to share, uh, and if, if there's anything else you would like to share about what you got going on with yourself, uh, with the idea that we're not going to be um, talking or sharing until uh, sometime in September. So um, I'm going to uh, ask Jason, you got anything, what's going on? Oh, heck. Um, I mean, I hope sleep. Uh, I'm going through yeah, a really yeah. busy period here. You, so. <laughs> you just finished your big uh, The Sage Festival. I know that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and the te TEDxYYC, that goes up. Uh, we, we record that on Thursday. Oh, wow. Or stream that on Thursday. But um, yeah, so <laughs> sleeping mostly. Um, but I'm actually I'm looking forward to reading a lot of weird fiction, um, especially like uh, I've been big into Lovecraft, but I've, I'm looking forward to reading a lot of... Um, uh, uh, non-masculine written uh, weird fiction because it, it occurred to me that was a huge blind spot for me. So that's my my summer reading project is reading a lot of that, and maybe that'll have some uh, some political aspects to it, which I'll bring back to the podcast. Cool. Weird. So help me understand. Weird fiction is just fiction that's strange, or is that a term? <laughs> it's a, it's a term. Yeah. Ah. It, it's like it's in the like weird fiction was kind of like Lovecraft might be the sort of quote unquote beginning of it or near the beginning of it, having sort of a pulp. Uh, uh, side to it, but also very much like uh, exploring strange ideas, exploring, uh, um, uh, yeah, like it's it's not quite sci-fi, it's not quite fantasy, um, but it'll stride both of those those things, um, and uh, yeah, often with a slight horror feel to it as well. And it's it was just right. a, a a section of reading I realized I didn't had a big gap for, so I was uh, deciding to fill it. Cool. Well. Have, good luck on your mining expedition there. Um, exactly. Interesting. <laughs> cool. Um, Karen, anything to share? Uh, yeah, well, I've mentioned, again, kind of a season uh, recurring theme is uh, working on a heritage map for um, University of Calgary Atlas project. Uh, so I'm actually going to be giving a talk in July in uh, Calgary, or is it Historic Calgary Week? Um, so oh, cool. that'll be... Yeah, that'll be me and the um, researcher for the map, uh, Kurt Nygarth, who's a professor at uh, um, Mount Royal. Um, so we don't have a ton of the details yet, but it will be during that week and that it will be a, a virtual event. So that will be, I know we're, <laughs> we're maybe coming to the end of uh, virtual events, uh, quote unquote, but we thought that would be um, the most accessible for people right now. And that would be going over um, sites of labor history in Calgary, which uh, kind of often um, ignored or those same sites are, are discussed or featured for other reasons but it's it's very familiar and accessible places but you might not know what happened there or uh, discover some new facts about them uh, so that's coming up and I really like Jason's idea of just uh, reading a bunch I have acquired a lot of books during the pandemic but not a lot of concentration on reading them. so hopefully the, the nice weather and somewhat return to normalcy will like clear my head and I can uh focus on books and comic books so uh, that's, you can pitch us all picture us all like um refreshing and uh finding some new material over the summer so excellent well and yeah and i imagine that that's part of the historic calgary week it'll be easy for people to find yes uh, just uh, google yeah. uh, historic calgary week yeah. and when they have their schedule up you'll you'll see my name and and kirk's and i'm sure there's many other uh, interesting events that i'll be going to and i know some of them are going to be in person there's some um, talk of doing some walks or gatherings but anything that's a little bit more in depth they thought they would uh keep online just to, to make it 
accessible no matter what happens so yeah yeah well they definitely do uh they definitely do some cool stuff that that group so that's great very cool um stephanie anything to share oh so much to share some of it's a little premature but i'll try my best um let's see we'll start with easy one with san diego comic con at home in july i think it's you might have to double check it uh, july 25th to 27th usually they also do the eisner awards then that's one of smash pages biggest um twitter days actually because i live tweet the um the results of the eisner awards during that time i have this lofty dream that i'm gonna like one day cover the eisner awards as if it's the oscars and just dress up in a ridiculous glitter gowns and do that but you know with covid and things like that we haven't been able to attempt this for the last couple of years follow but, your uh, dreams stephanie follow <laughs> your dreams <laughs> but that being said um we uh live we've been live tweeting the um the eisners for several years now and uh and it the reception's been phenomenal people get ex actually get excited about comic books sometimes and then that's one of the times so um, I can't wait to do that. I'm preparing for it already. Um, the next thing to talk about is my foam armory company. I, we covered it a little bit briefly last month. Um, I was in the middle of a Kickstarter. Uh, the Kickstarter is now over. We had a phenomenal, we had a goal of uh, raising 5,000. We had a phenomenal goal reached of $47,000 instead. Um, so um, business is uh, actually happening and I am, endlessly processing foam as um, uh, every day now. And um, with that, I am planning in the fall as conventions and things start opening up, uh, there's gonna be a few cons that I'll be attending. And that's the premature things. I can't announce which cons where yet, but let's just say it's not just Canada. So Ooh. stay tuned. That is exciting. Yes. All right, well, that's great. Um, anything else, Stephanie? Didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I no. don't know. I, uh, we, got, we got it. We got, I, I think we got it. Those both sound exciting. That's awesome. Okay. All right, folks. As we come to a close, I will mention one more time that this podcast is brought to you by Change Agents from Renegade Arts Entertainment that's available now on Comixology. Written by me, James Davidge, and illustrated by Nick Johnson, the Change Agents feature a universe of superheroes that explore our social contract. Tune in to our next episode, which will be in September, where we'll discuss Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Should be a great conversation. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Enjoy the summer. I think there's the lake of dance party. There we go. <laughs> I like how all of us were on mute all and right. then we're like, oh, crap, <laughs> we're like, wait, what? Say <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's my cue. Oops. That, 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 that was actually the smoothest one we've done. It only took a episode. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>